So, Mark. Yes. I want to talk about DVD extras. Okay. So, after we watched Barbershop last night, I decided to poke around and see what the extras were. And I discovered a, like, trivia game... Partially about the movie Barbershop, where it was asking you questions like, who drank the apple juice? Or, at what time are you allowed to begin playing rap music in the barbershop? But it was also then just, like, asking me questions about barbers. And it threw me back to this age when DVDs were new enough, and they were trying to throw all kinds of weird stuff onto them, because they were like, we don't know what people are going to do with these. Yeah. Maybe they want to play trivia games. I miss the days of DVD ROMs, when you could even, like, put it in your computer. Oh, yeah. And have a full game on Did it. Did you ever do that? Maybe. Maybe for 10 minutes. I know they were always advertising it. They were like, put it in your computer and like access production stills or something. Yeah, I think I did it for like a Harry Potter one and it was just so boring that I yeah. turned it off almost immediately. I know the Sorcerer's Stone DVD had a game built into it where they were like, the remote is your wad because they were like, we don't know what DVDs are for. It's 2002. Maybe people want to play games on them? Yeah. And so it's these really clunky, like, point-and-click games on your remote that didn't really make any sense. Yeah. I'm trying to see if I can find a way to play that game online. I don't... (laughs) (laughs) I'm not going to lie. It was weird. I never played... I never did any of the DVD-ROM stuff. Right. But I know the Revenge of the Sith DVD, you could put it in the Xbox and played two levels of Star Wars Battlefront 2. And I did that a lot. I mean, that makes that makes sense, because it's, like, promotional for another product. Another product, as opposed to just, like, yeah, you're buying our thing? Sure, we'll uh, throw some games in here. It would be like if the How to Lose a Guy in 10 Days DVD came with a copy of the board game. Yeah. The weird- because the games are probably of equivalent property quality. Oh, I'm sure. Once again, if you have the game, please send it to us. We're desperate to play it. I think the weird part is, at this point, it's not like they were in competition with VHS still. I, I, this movie came out in 2002. There's still a okay. decent VHS market. Yeah. I was on VHSs longer than a lot of people, but I had Attack of the Clones on VHS, and that movie went into theaters in 2003. I guess, but it's still... I remember these extras lasting way past the competition into the era where they weren't really needing to sell the concept of DVDs anymore. For sure, to the point where then when they stopped, you're like, am I getting a lesser product? Even though what you're getting is the product you wanted all along. Yeah, because if you've actually played through any of these DVD ROM games, please let us know, because I don't think anyone ever did. Played all the way through? Yeah. I played that trivia game for a while, and then there were way more questions than I expected. I think I answered like 12 and it was still going. The funniest thing about it, what I loved, was that they roped Tim Story and all the actors into doing this stupid thing where every trivia question was introduced by one of the people involved in making the movie, and they clearly recorded a response for each possible answer. They're like, you chose A, 9 o'clock, I'm sorry, that's wrong. It's like, how long did they all have to sit there? The actors look like they're kind of interested. Tim Story does not. Yeah. You know, I watched the first two questions, got all I needed to, went back into my room for a while, came out like 20 minutes later. Will is still sitting in front of the TV. Because they took so long to load. I question his time management (laughs) sometimes. I did appreciate that this trivia game talked about all of the roles that barbers have played historically, being bloodletters, pulling teeth, all that good stuff. Did they actually? Yeah. Barbers used to do all kinds of jobs besides cutting hair. There's actually 
in the original production of Sweeney Todd, the contest section, where it's the contest between Sweeney and Pirelli, yeah. it's twice as long because they don't just have a shaving competition. They also have a competition to see who can pull a guy's tooth the best. And they just like pull a random guy out of the crowd and we're like, we're going to pull your tooth. To pull the tooth without the skill can damage the root. Now hold the stick. <gasps> Barber Surgeons. Um, I don't know if you've ever watched The Marvelous Misadventures of Flapjack. I have not. But they have a Dr. Barber, who is both the barber and surgeon. And that's how I found out that that was a real thing. Absolutely. Where barbers were the surgeons. The barber pole represents that in some way, but I forget how. I think the red means blood or right. something. And the white means not blood? I think Maybe there was teeth? also blue at one point. Yeah. I don't know. If you know that, um, tweet at us. Hashtag barb it up. We're probably gonna for your get knowledge a, of the barber pole. We're probably going to get another email from Fiona making fun of us for not knowing this. You know, I could deal with fewer sassy emails from hashtag Fifi Fierce. She does enjoy it. Yeah. Anyway, if you know more about the barber pole, hashtag barb it up. Send that to us. Um, speaking of things we don't know, somebody, uh, a listener, got in touch with me this week and told me that apparently uh, you can have joint Catholic Jewish weddings. Really? Yeah. Huh. So that's a thing I learned. Who knew? Yeah. So listeners, when we're wrong, tell us. Because we appreciate hearing that. Yeah, both Will and I are forever students. Exactly, we're constantly, lifelong learners. Constantly seeking new knowledge. Yeah, and that's why uh, that's why we do this podcast. Yep. So that we can ramble, and then people will tell us when we're wrong. Speaking of this podcast, <laughs> it's time for Heart of Fondness. I'm Mark, and I'm Gang. And I'm Will, and I'm a ginger. Is that my best segue yet? It can't possibly be. <laughs> <laughs> uh, this is a podcast where we delve deep into cinematic love stories to answer the age-old question, does Hollywood romance actually make any sense? And are these people actually dateable or even likable? It doesn't matter if the romance is a main plot or if it's a one-scene flirtation. We'll dig in and we'll see what's there. And this week, we are diving back into the pile of DVDs I bought kind of at random about a year ago. Uh, So we're looking at 2002's Barbershop, directed by Tim Story. I thought this movie was fine. It was exactly fine. I didn't hate it. I didn't love it. Could have been better. Could have been worse. So I have a pitch for how to make this project better. Yes. It takes two directions. So the central thesis is that Barbershop should not be a movie. Okay. Barbershop should be split into a stage play and a short film. Okay. So the main plotline about the Barbershop, about Calvin, played by Ice Cube, trying to keep his Barbershop open, selling it to Lester Wallace, and then trying to get it back, that should be a stage play. I think the energy of all those people in that place could work really well as a traditional stage play. I was thinking that too. Yeah. This would really work on stage. And so you set the whole thing in the Barbershop, like you start it when he arrives at work, we'll pick up the stuff from before, because that first scene, we'll talk about it, that first scene with Jennifer is terribly written anyway. Yes. So you start with him arriving at the Barbershop, the whole thing is set there you'll probably cut like half the characters because there are too many characters in this movie and you just do this like really nice stage play about this place it's kind of august wilson-y yeah then you take the anthony anderson plotline which doesn't really matter no you make that a short film anthony anderson in this movie is basically scrap from ice age oh entirely there's a nut that he wants in this case it's not a nut it's a atm he's stolen it but he can't get to eat it because he can't crack it up and so it's him running around through the movie trying to bust into it it plays 
plays exactly the same as Scrap. Oh Let's take God. a break from our story to watch this other dude try to get the thing he wants. He's not going to be able to. There's going to be physical hijinks. The big dude's going down the stairs again. Oh no! Scrap. You're blowing my mind at how that comparison is directly perfect. It's what it is. This is like around the same time that Ice Age comes out too. I was just thinking, was Scrat inspired by this movie? I hope so. Oh my god. Yeah, I appreciate what this movie is trying to do and talk about the importance of these local institutions and holding communities together. Yeah, but and they just... did shoot it in a neighborhood in Chicago trying to reflect that. Like, they rented a space on a street in yeah. South Chicago and really tried to bring in a lot of those ideas. There was just too much going on. Yes, too many people, too many plot lines. The movie is also only an hour 40. It's not like it's too long, but there's just, they tried to squeeze so much into this movie. That There's was... too much happening. I mean, I was putting together the points for this and I was like, no, like anything that you could call a romantic relationship appears five times in this movie. Oh, yeah. Like even in National Treasure, we were able to make it work. Yeah. And, you know, a lot of our movies, we have too many points. Right. But We get a point where like, the next 30 minutes are this one point. Yeah. But this one, it's like, we squeeze together essentially five 30 second each scenes. Yeah. So, not a lot of romance in this Not movie. a ton. We're gonna find some stuff to talk about yeah what's interesting is that after directing this movie which was a big hit yes the movie uh, they made it for 12 million dollars and it made like 75 uh yeah 75 million dollars yeah that's a really big success right especially for a movie with an all-black cast yeah i mean everyone knows about this movie it's on tv all the time right it came out september 13th 2002 and uh it opened to number one and stayed there for two weeks. So there's that's good word of mouth. Yeah. For what it's worth, when it opened, the number two was My Big Fat Greek Wedding in its 22nd week of release. Holy shit. <laughs> that movie has the most incredible box office run. Oh my god. It was one, it started really small, came up, yeah. and then hung out. Right. It has like a 52-week run. Oh my god. It's unbelievable. Anyway, so after this movie, it's a big enough hit that then Tim Story gets to go and make Fantastic Four. Which one? The 2005 one. With uh, Chris Evans as the Human Torch. Ah, yes. So he make, he directs that, and he does the sequel, Rise of the Silver Surfer. Mm. And he did both of those movies, both of which are bad. Yes. But until Black Panther, he was the only black director to make a Marvel adaptation. Oh, yeah. But it wasn't for Marvel Studios. It was not for Marvel Studios, which did not exist at the time he right. made those movies. Those movies were bad. They are quite bad. Yeah. I was talking to some of my students the other day about the Fantastic Four in general and, like, the Fox deal and all that nonsense. And one of my kids was like, they can't make the Fantastic Four part of Marvel because then Killmonger will have been a good guy in the past. And I'm like, well, first of all, only if you make that movie canon. Yeah. And I was like, second of all, Captain America's already been the Human Torch. Because <laughs> what you do is you play the Human Torch and then you get a much better role with Marvel Studios. That does seem seem to be the track record. Correlation is causation. Obviously. Well, what did you think about Cedric the Entertainer in this movie? You know, I really like Cedric the Entertainer. Me too. I'm sure we're going to talk about him more when we do our inevitable episode on Madagascar. Ah, yeah. As part of our DreamWorks coverage. coming. Claire has to be a guest. That'll be Claire. Maybe we'll do it on the anniversary of the Hitch episode when we spent a good chunk of it talking about (laughs) Madagascar. (laughs) Is that when the DreamWorks thing began? I think so. Oh, when we, it became like a thing. Yeah. Talking, yeah. I think it was. Probably. So I really like Cedric the Entertainer. He was awesome this summer in First Reformed, where he played the pastor of this mega church that yeah. supported Ethan Hawke's church financially. I really liked him in this indie movie from a couple of years ago called Grassroots, yeah. which is about a city council campaign in Seattle. Uh, but he is dreadful in this film. Oh my God. <laughs> he sounds like he's got both of his nostrils plugged up and it's just this weird, weird voice. 
It's so distracting. It took me out of the movie entirely because of how ridiculous this voice is. It doesn't even sound old. It's not great. No. <laughs> um, although also in the old man voice is when he makes all the comments going on about how like Rosa Parks and Martin Luther King and yeah. Jesse Jackson aren't all that. Which, as you can imagine, Jesse Jackson was not a huge fan of. <laughs> Oh, uh, that's not surprising to me. Yeah, so Jesse Jackson and Al Sharpton launched, like, a campaign to try to get MGM to cut those bits out of the DVD release of the movie, which naturally means that every story about it was like, Jackson says Barbershop needs a trim. Ugh. Which, to be fair, I kind of love. Well, obviously you have to do it. Right. Was there a lot of backlash, or was it just focused on, like, those people? Um, I mean, scene? some people were like, yeah, these jokes were not amazing, but it was not, like, a widespread backlash. Yeah. There was no Twitter outrage cycle. That's true. Were they supposed to be jokes? I just didn't understand what was happening. I think Cedric the Entertainer's character was supposed to believe them. Yes. But I don't know that the movie did. Right. I just didn't understand <coughs> really the point of I that think scene. the whole idea is just like, this is a day in this barbershop, and these are the yeah. kinds of things they talk about. That's why I thought it would work so well as a stage play, where it's just like, this is a day in the life of these people. It's a day where something is different, because Calvin is trying to navigate this thing. Yeah. But it's not like the big dramatic moment. So as we move into like talking about the movie itself, just a little bit of context. In the movie, Ice Cube, whatever happened to him, right? Yeah, what did happen to him? That is a very niche joke that <laughs> you'll only understand if you come to trivia at Denizens on Tuesdays. Can you look it up, whatever happened to Ice Cube? Yeah. Um, for context, our trivia team name is always whatever happened to person X, who we feel like we haven't heard of in a while. This week it was Daniel Powder, the singer of Bad Day. Yes. Oh, he has a website. Icecube.com. Great. Find out for us. So Ice Cube is the owner slash heir to a barbershop in Chicago, which he has been running for two years, and he doesn't really want to. He wants to get rich. He wants to have a better life for himself and his wife. His wife is pregnant, and we see him go through the day at this barbershop, and he decides to sell it to a guy named Lester Wallace, played by Keith David. Keith David, I really like in this movie. Yeah, I great. really like Keith David's performance. He plays this loan shark who shows up to Calvin's barbershop in a blue hat and a fur-lined coat and a ruffled purple shirt. Like, he looks great. He's doing awesome. And so he offers to buy it, but he wants to turn it into a strip club. And so the movie then is Calvin trying to change this and get it back. And we're going to get into some of that too. But it's this, this day in the barbershop with all these people talking, going through their different debates, their different ideas, getting haircuts, getting good ones, getting bad ones. And that's just kind of the movie. Meanwhile, Anthony Anderson <laughs> stole an ATM from a shop down the street and is trying to get it open. That is empty. Yes, it's empty because it's a new ATM and yes. it hasn't been loaded yet. Uh, that also, is almost never relevant. Yes. Uh, important thing, I couldn't place him watching it, so I had to look it up. The guy who owns that shop is Sunil from Crazy Ex-Girlfriend. I knew he looked familiar. I know. I was in the same place. Also, Ice Cube, in January of 2017, announced Big Three, a three-on-three -three concept professional basketball league featuring former NBA greats and players. I might have seen some of that. Yeah, so Has that's that what he's started? doing. Yeah. Yeah, I think I caught some of that on TV. Yeah, it started in last June. Yep, definitely saw some of that. And then he was also in 22 Jump Street, which I think is his most recent film credit. That's a couple of years ago, though. That's like yeah. 2016, maybe? 2015? Yeah. Oh, apparently last year. Wait, yeah, he was in Triple X Return of Xander Cage. Oh, yeah, 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 the Vin Diesel movie. And then Fist Fight? Oh, yeah! That was the Charlie Day movie? Oh, yes, that one. Okay, well... 
My apologies to Mr. Cube. But he hasn't been a lead in anything yeah. in a while, for sure. Whatever happened. Well, he's running a basketball league now. That's cool. He's a guy. He's a cool guy. I support that. I never thought he wasn't cool. No. That's why I wondered whatever happened to him. Yeah. Like Daniel Powder. Whatever happened to him? Was he ever cool? I don't know. Maybe he just had a bad day. You were... You're so painful to do this. I have no regrets. Um, I get really pleased whenever I can, like, pull off a stupid joke like that with my uh, freshmen. Because they... Well, no, they'll also yell at me. But they're small, and so I can just laugh back at them. Right. I guess I laugh back at you, too. Yeah. So I guess I just like doing jokes like that. All right. Should we start talking about the few points that there are? Sure, whatever. So, point number one. First scene of the movie. Calvin, played by Ice Cube, is at home trying to make a home studio work. He's mixing around with a... He's got a turntable. Yeah. Some other machinery. None of it's in good condition. He's clearly, like, in a basement. Yeah. In what world would a person in that situation ever think that he could actually make it work? That is a terrific question. I do not know the answer. Calvin clearly has poor judgment. Yes. It's like... like, Quite bad. This movie has so many tropes with no sort of attempt to comment on them or anything right this is the most basic dreamer husband pragmatic wife movie i've ever seen yes very much so and it loads all of that into the first scene so you're watching the first scene you're like this is what we're doing and it does a lot of other things pretty well yeah but this is not one of them no so Jennifer walks in and she's like, you already tried to have a big business with your t-shirt business. <laughs> Which, when you're launching a novelty t-shirt business, you're already fighting a losing battle. Oh, yeah. Your t-shirt business. He was trying to launch a vitamin company at one point. No, I think he joined a pyramid scheme. I mean, Earth probably. Life. I think that's a real pyramid scheme. Oh, really? Yeah. Great. Love those multi-level marketers. Yeah. So, she's like, you gotta stop doing this. You've been running the barbershop for two years. You're doing a good job. Just let that be a thing. And he shows her a picture from a magazine of... Stedman's guest house. Yeah. Very confusing to me. I think he was saying that this is the house I want. My dreams are unlimited, but not too unlimited. Right. I'm not looking to be Oprah, just Oprah's kept man. Exactly. He's being very useful. He's like, look, when Oprah's mad at Stedman, she makes him stay here. This place is awesome. Five bedrooms, four and a half bath. It's beautiful. It's got the pool. I want to be able to give you that. So what's going to happen is I'm going to get this studio going in our basement. And then we're going to get somebody. They're going to make a multi-platinum record. And I'm going to be able to get you Stedman's guest house. This is a plan with no chance of failure. If you ever find yourself thinking that you could achieve anything. (laughs) Are you going to stop there? (laughs) (laughs) No. In the realm of Oprah, like even in the universe, the farthest fringes of Oprah's universe, you are shooting too far. Oprah is her own separate thing. No one will ever be anywhere near that successful again. Just give up. My favorite Oprah thing in a movie is probably in Throw Mama from the Train, the Billy Crystal, Danny DeVito adaptation of Strangers on a Train, where Billy Crystal is a writer who, like, can't get a break, and his ex-wife is also a writer who, like, her new book in, like, one of the first scenes is being featured on Oprah, so it's, like, late 80s Oprah pitching this book. It's very funny. Oprah's the best. She's great. Like... How did Oprah happen? It's insane. For more on that, check out WBEZ's Making Oprah, the podcast for all your Oprah needs. This podcast is, of course, brought to you by Making Oprah. That's a real podcast. They're not sponsoring us. Yeah. Oh. 
I thought you were just doing one of your fake ads again. No, that's a real podcast. If I were going to do a fake ad, I'd be something like, Hey guys, I want to talk to you about Square Apron. Square Apron is a fantastic service for making beautiful, delicious websites right in the comfort of your own home. When I get back from school at the end of the day and I'm like, ugh, I'm so tired or hungry or not on the internet. What I really need is just a fast way to make a website that's going to do all of my needs and fill my stomach. And taste great too. And they do taste so great. And so that's why I use Square Apron. They send you a box every month with just a URL and some search terms and an AOL keyword just for kicks. You put all those together, you mix them in a big pot and you've got yourself a stew. So what I need you to do is go to squareapron.com slash podness. That's squareapron.com slash podness to get a free month of this amazing service. And when you check out, use the promo code podness to make sure you get that free month. It really helps out the show and also it'll help out your life. It's still available. (laughs) We gotta do it. (laughs) It's still there, Will. Oh, man. It's gonna happen. (laughs) All right. Back to the show. Uh, What are we doing? Uh, Point number one. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Calvin and Jennifer, they're not on the same page. Right. She's pregnant. We find out. He's like, I gotta do it because you're pregnant and I want to give all of us a better life. And she's like, you've been running your dad's barbershop for two years. Your daddy would be so proud of you. This is the worst scene in the movie because there are no thoughts that are not expressed in dialogue. Yeah. That's a problem the movie in general has, but mostly this scene where we see Calvin like go to the barbershop and he like looks at a picture of his dad and he's like, how'd you do it for 40 years? And it's like, you know, we could have gotten that without the dialogue. It's just no thought cannot be expressed. Subtext does not exist in this film. Not in this movie. In any way. Oh, to be fair, I said that was the first scene. The actual first scene is Anthony Anderson and his friend stealing the ATM. Oh, right. A scene that is incoherent as I'll get out. I was so confused about what was happening. I could tell what was happening. I just couldn't understand any of the words that were being said. That... They were shouting and the sound mix wasn't great. There was a truck running. No, I just mean in terms of like how that connected. I was like, I know what this movie is about. Right. This movie is about Ice Cube owning a barbershop. How does these two people stealing an ATM connect? It's so barely relevant. And you only find out in the last 10 minutes. And even then, it's barely relevant. It's a scrap plot. Yeah. It's just there to be like comedy to cut away to. Is a scrap plot a real thing? No. I wonder if that's on TV tropes. This is this is our thing. Hashtag scrap plot. Scrap plot. This is our contribution to film criticism. Yep. The show has succeeded. We're real close to the one year mark, but we finally made it. Yep, we did it. End of episode, end of show. <laughs> Bye. Guys, we're going to Hashtag Twilight at 10. Well, it's coming up. We promised it, and we were not joking. Yep. Okay. Somehow Will remembered. Yeah, well, I listened to all these episodes for a long time when I'm editing them. That's true. All right. So, uh, that's point number one. They can't get along, but Calvin is determined he's gonna do it. And so a bunch of stuff happens before we get any romance again. The big thing to know is that Lester Wallace, Keith David, who again, is awesome in this movie. Yeah. Keith David shows up and, well, no, Calvin calls him and is like, yo, I'm ready to make the deal. A deal that also I was confused by. Yeah. So what Keith David is doing is he's offering, so Calvin is behind on rent to the bank. He can't get any new loans because they keep giving him small business loans to start his crappy businesses, which is a real indictment on the bank. Yeah. They need to be a better bank. It's 2008. No. Exactly. This is a real indictment on that bank that gave him money for his t-shirt business. That Unless it was a really good pitch. Yeah. So he's like, I can't make the payment to the bank. I can't get a loan. So there's nothing I can do. He's a building. He's 
behind on property taxes. Right. But I think he also has a bunch of loans for these shitty businesses. For the crappy businesses. Which Jennifer later points out to him, the barbershop was basically doing fine until Calvin started siphoning money to do other crappy businesses. Right. So Keith David offers him $20,000 cash and declares, you're taking this cash, that's as good as a contract. And Calvin's like, yes, of course. I know how business works. And so Keith David is like, it's always going to say barbershop out there and you're going to have this money. And Calvin's like, great. And then Keith David's like, I'm going to turn it into a gentleman's club, but it's going to be called the barbershop. Shop. Yeah, so Calvin, when he was selling it, thought that this institution of the barbershop would remain. Exactly. That's been around for like 40 years. Right. We get a lot of speeches in this movie about the value of barbershops as places for community, places for advice. The fact that like Calvin's dad would let people sleep there when they didn't have a place to stay. Yeah. Like, it was this really important part of the community. And so Calvin's like, I'm not going to be involved anymore, but at least that'll stick around. And yes. then Keith David's like, nope, it's a strip club. Liza. So, not Liza with a Z. Not Liza with a Z. <laughs> so let's talk about point number two, which yes. is different people because there are not five things to talk about with Calvin and Jennifer. Nope. So we're going the classic three and two route. Full yes. house. <laughs> Full house. <laughs> All right, so we go over, uh, we've got Kevin, and he wakes up to Terry banging on his door. Yes, Terry played by Eve. That's right. And so she immediately assumes that he's cheating on her, and she's like, where's the girl? What have you been doing? What's going on? And he's like, no, 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 I worked two shifts last night. Like, I didn't wake up because I've been asleep for two hours. I'm just so tired. But she's not buying it. She's like storming, and she's like, wherever you're hiding her, I'm searching the whole place. And he's really insistent, being like, no, no, there's nobody here. Like, what the heck? What the heck? Why don't you check under the bed to try and point out how ridiculous yeah. she is. And she's like, I bet you would hide someone under the bed. Yeah. And then he manages to calm her down. They start to make out. We get a shot then of them taking a step and stepping on somebody's hair, which is under the bed. And in a shock to no one involved, a woman is under the bed. Yep. So the lady is like trying to sneak out while they're making out. Kevin is trying to keep Terry pointed in the direction where she won't see yes. the other girl getting out. But naturally... She sees it. Right. She starts attacking the woman. Yeah, basically we cut away as a girl fight starts. Right. And then she's still pissed off about it. Super angry. She goes yeah. to the barbershop. Someone drank her apple juice that she had labeled <laughs> do not drink. Yeah, big bottle of apple juice in the it's fridge. It's a weirdly important part of this movie. It's like a major plot line. And the movie does not show you who drank the apple juice. But the trivia game on the DVD asks you who drank the apple juice. Which I think is an unfair question. Yes. How are we supposed to know? They also added a full five-minute scene of Cedric the Entertainer doing his stupid old man oh, voice. No. Just standing I'm Cedric. at a refrigerator, talking to himself, clearly not with a script. It's so boring. <laughs> yeah. It kept going on and on and on. <laughs> also, when she arrives, she finds a bouquet of flowers that Dinka had bought. The West African like janitor guy at the barbershop. Or is he one of the barbers? He's a... A shoe shiner and hair sweeper upper. Yes. I think. Okay. So he had brought a bouquet of roses and a nice note. Did we know it was from him at this point? We saw him walk in with the flowers. Okay, we did. Because he's like walking down the street singing. He's a cheery guy. Yes. And so she found him and she's really mad. And so she just hurls the flowers across the barbershop. Because she's just mad at all men. At all this men. Point. So Dinka then is sad too. Yes. Everyone's sad. Yep. Because someone drank her apple juice. Don't drink the apple juice. She really thinks it's Jimmy, who is probably. Like, my favorite person? I don't know. He was also really annoying. He is really annoying. I think Eve is my favorite. Okay. That's I fair. I understand the righteous fury of someone drinking your apple juice. <laughs> Did apple you drink my ginger ale? <laughs> Did you drink my ginger 
All right. So point number three. Eagles aren't turning people into horses. <laughs> it's the best video. If you've not seen Eagles are turning people into horses, stop listening to this podcast and go watch that. Should we do that as an episode? It is a movie. Let's do it. There's a romance. There is. That's one of my favorite movies. Yes. Point number <laughs> three. Definitely a top 20 for me, certainly. Maybe higher. What percent of this episode has been about the movie Barbershop? Yeah, who cares? <laughs> All right, number three. So, Jennifer shows up at the barbershop. Yes. She walks in and she's like, Calvin, I gotta talk to you. It's already been established that the woman who owns the shop next door is very gossipy. Yes. Because when Calvin arrives at work, Sunil is angry about his ATM being stolen and the lady with the shop next door is already being like, who do you think did it? I bet yeah. it was that dude. He's no good. And Calvin's like, it's too early for gossip. Right. But she called Jennifer and said, yo, Lester Wallace was at the shop. What's right. going on? Clearly a well-known underworld figure. Yeah. He runs a chop shop. Yeah. He works as a loan shark. He's got a sketchy blue hat. Yeah. He wears a ruffled shirt. You can't trust anybody with one of those. <laughs> it's true enough. So, so Jennifer yeah. shows up and she's like, why was Lester Wallace here? Yeah. Because, you know, it can only mean bad things. And right. he tries to play it off. Oh, he was here for a haircut. Blah, blah, blah. Yeah. He tries lying first. Yes. Does not work. She no. calls him on it. So then he tells her the truth. And she gets mad at him and he's saying like, look, I made a decision for us. I care about our family. And she makes a valid point back. Why is it that you were always making these decisions for us? And then we have to sort out the fallout of your stupid decisions. Yes. She is always right, honestly, in this movie. That's true. She is never wrong. She's never wrong. And that's when she then points out that the barbershop didn't have debt until he started trying to siphon its money for his get-rich-quick schemes. Yes. Which is a good point, because Calvin has this kind of resentment. He feels like he's stuck in the barbershop position. And, and he complains about how, like, his dad was always giving out free haircuts, letting people stay there. Yeah. That it was basically just, like, a social hour, and now everyone wants that and aren't treating it like a business. And she's like, look, this did work as a business because people cared about it. Yes. So they weren't taking advantage of your dad. Yeah. And, and you can see through the plot line of this guy who's got a job interview but doesn't have any money. Right trying to get a free haircut and then it, and apparently has done this many times yes. come in and gotten free haircuts and run out without paying but then at the end he comes back with money because he got the job which is kind of tied to the idea that because he got the haircut he looked presentable and was able to get the job right the barbershop is an anchor of community right so it all comes full circle and i think that's the point jennifer's trying to make because she's always right ice cube is always wrong yeah ice cube is always wrong at least when it comes to jennifer yes any any uh, i'm f- i think he is a decent manager a- of people Yes, as a romance podcast, I'm only focusing on their relationship. Oh, yes, of course. Okay, so speaking of romance then, should we move to point number four? Yeah. Oh, my God. Because Jennifer leaves. She's angry. We skipped so much. There's so much else happening in this movie. (laughs) There's so many characters in this movie. (laughs) And yet, in the midst of all of it, is Cedric the Entertainer just doing that voice. And taking up so much of the screen. Well, it's because his hair is really big. Yes. Um, There's the white guy. We're not even going to talk about him. Nope, not at all. (laughs) There's one white guy. There's a white guy. No one wants him to cut their hair because he's white. Yeah, they don't trust That's him. That's his plot line. Probably reasonable. Yes. Although he does a good job at the end. He cuts Jimmy's hair. He does well. All right, so point number four. Dinka, the West African shoe shiner. Yes. He's in love with Terry. Right. And he asks... Lonnie? What's his name? I don't know. The, like, most important one that's not Ice Cube, whose name we can't remember because there's so many There's so many names! Um, he asked for advice. He's trying to figure out how to... Maybe it's Ricky? Ricky, that sounds right. Yeah. No, Ricky's the one, the other one who's working with Anthony Anderson, I think. Right? No, maybe it's Ricky. I don't know. Isaac, maybe? I don't know. I'm looking at the Wikipedia cast list now. 
I have no idea. Yeah. So, um... We did real great on names in this movie. There's just so many there's of There's too them. many characters. In too small a space. Yeah. We so, can't learn who they are by geography the way you would on, like, Game of Thrones, because they're all in the same shop. So, anyway, Dinka is in love with Terry, who we know has been dating Kevin, but is mad at Kevin because Kevin cheated on her. Right. She has not explained this to everybody, but she's clearly furious with him. So Ricky. It is Ricky. Okay, Ricky, yeah. So, Ricky's talked to Dinka, tried to give him a pep talk, talked about the importance of confidence. Yeah, confidence, and Dinka's but going, and he's like, look, I'm, I'm kind of a big guy, but I've got the soul of a poet. People like that. And you find out later, the card he gave her had a... Pablo Neruda. Neruda. Yeah. A Neruda poem on it. So, he's making moves. Yeah, so... No such thing as platonic naruda yeah so he is trying to flirt with her in the shop and she like as the day has gone on is a little more calmer and she feels bad about having destroyed his flowers and so she compliments him on the flowers she's like she says like that was a really nice note you wrote did you write that poetry he's like no that was naruda at which point she's like oh not really (laughs) at that point we're like oh Dinka is not messing around. I'd say, like, she's not really into it. She's not flirting with him. She's like, flirt back. She's being nice, though. She's still being very nice. And then Kevin shows up. So Dinka's, like, going out into the shop to ask her out, and then Kevin bursts in. Yes. And Kevin here proves that he is even more of a turd than you thought when he was lying about cheating on her. Yeah, he's the worst. It's the classic, like, oh, take me back, baby. I love you. And in the midst of that, he's shoving Dinka out of the way. He calls him supersize me. Uh, He starts going, like, oh, do you even speak English? And starts clicking at him. Yeah, it's all really, it's like, it's racist, essentially. Yeah. Yeah. It was really uncomfortable. It's very uncomfortable. Yeah. And so Terry refuses to go with Kevin, which is the right move. Yes. And it's a, everyone's kind of like, fine. Finally, yeah. she's taken him back many times before. Yeah. So and so happy about that. Meanwhile, Kevin is like incredulous. He's like, what? How would you not go with me? Like, you only look okay, but I stayed with you because you're good in bed. Yeah. Do people really think that that will work? I have no idea. Back? I have no idea. Does negging really work? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. What was the movie we watched that was all about negging? Um, Call Hona Ho. Yeah, Kono, the Neg movie. Yeah. Man, we should watch that movie again. <laughs> Great movie. That movie was incredible. I would watch Kaho Naho. Again. again. If you, even if you watched it already, watch it again. It's time to disco. It's the time to disco. We should just start putting Kantaben in every movie. Kantaben. Kantaben. Um, yeah, so he goes away. Terry's getting control of her own life. Yep, we never touch on this plotline again. Nope, never brought up I don't know that Terry had... Well, no, she has some lines about the shop closing because when Calvin goes to try and give the money back to Lester Wallace, Wallace is like, no, no, me giving you that money was a contract. So I guess if you want to get out on the contract, you have to get me $40,000 by the end of the day. And Calvin's like, well, the whole point was I don't have $20,000. So how am I going to find another $20,000? So clearly he doesn't. Right. So he then as the day is winding down, he tells them the shop is going to close. Everyone is pissed off at him, especially old man Cedric. Yes, he's very annoyed. Which leads us then to... Oh, there's a weird dance break in this movie? I forgot about that. That was fun. Yeah, it was fine. I think I would have enjoyed it more if it was just the people in the barbershop and lasted a bit longer. Yeah, we cut to some random scenes. We cut to Anthony Anderson's friend's Friends. sister. Yeah. And who mom. is giving the most Disney Channel performance I've yes. ever seen. Oh my god. Where it's just like so over emphasizing every syllable. Yeah. Like, what are you doing? I'm on after Corey in the house. I'm gonna tell mom. Yeah, it's exact. It's a Disney Channel performance. Yes. And anyway, there's the whole reparations conversation. Oh, forgot about that. Yeah, this movie features a debate about reparations. I think the movie comes down anti-reparations. I think so. Yeah, which is interesting. And that leads us kind of to, oh, 
I mean, that the whole Lester Wallace plotline, especially towards the late part of the movie, bears a strong similarity to It's a Wonderful Life, where George Bailey decides that he doesn't want to keep the building and loan open anymore. Yeah. And so he sells out to Mr. Potter, and then he's trying to get it back, but he can't get the money to keep it back. And in that one, the community comes around and helps him keep it open. But in this one, they get a reward for recovering the ATM yeah. that Anthony Anderson After stole. turning Wallace in for running, running a chop shop. Running a chop shop, yeah. And getting him arrested. Yeah. So before that, before they catch Wallace, point number five... <laughs> So it's the end of the day. He has announced the shop is going to be closing. They're like, all right, this is it. We're done. And he told them all, like, the new owner is not going to keep it open as a barbershop. The barbershop is done. Yeah. And so Jennifer and Calvin are sitting on the couch together. And Jennifer says, like, look, it wasn't that I was wedded to the idea of a barbershop. I just, like, want you to do something that is reasonable. Right. But is also meaningful to you. Yes. And she's looking fly in her overalls. Right. Her maternity overalls. Right. And she does say that if needed, she can get him a job with her uncle, which feels like a sequel tease, but isn't. No. I like that, though, because it was like... But I hate your uncle, and he hates you too, but, but he'll do give you for... the job. Which still fits family. into those themes of, like, family and community that are running through the movie. So then he gets a call. They're able to go trap Wallace, save the ATM. Ricky's been arrested because Anthony Anderson, who is his cousin, basically framed him by using his truck, and he already has two convictions. Right. So Calvin thing. bails Ricky out. Using the $20,000. Right. And then they go and they trap Wallace while Anthony Anderson has the ATM there. And they get $50,000 in reward. For finding, for finding the ATM. ATM. Yep. And that's so, how they keep the barbershop open. Yep. We cut to two months later and the barbershop is still there. Looks better too. Yeah, it does. use the money to clean it up, yeah. which is a nice touch. It is. There's candy for the kids now. So then they can make two sequels. Yep. And the Queen Latifah spinoff. Yep. And the, the animated series on Showtime. Barbershop has like a sprawling empire. Did not know about the animated series. Wait, no, it's live action. Did not know about the TV series. Ice Cube is not in it. Oh, okay. That makes sense. So at the end, you don't really see... This is like not really a point because... There's no dialogue, but Jennifer shows up with their son yes. at the shop, and everyone is happy. Hooray! Barbershop. Barbershop. This movie is fine. <laughs> yeah, it's fine. It is exactly fine. So, what did you think of the relationships in the movie? I mean, they're barely relationships. Yeah. <laughs> the barely developed. Terry Kevin stuff is awful. Yes. The Jennifer Calvin stuff is annoying movie marriage. Unoriginal. Yeah. And, it's like, I'm yeah. a dude who wants to do weird stuff. I'm a wife who's going to keep things grounded and not put up with this nonsense. It's pretty tired. Yeah. Nothing new or special about it in any yeah. way. And like I said, executed with some pretty, especially in that first scene, some pretty clunky dialogue. Yes. So, I like a lot of the later stuff. I like the scene when she comes to the shop to find out what happened with Wallace. Yeah. But that first one is a real clunker. Yeah. What would you rate them? I don't know. There's such movie relationships. Yeah. It doesn't feel like there's a lot real to them. Right. And without even like the fun of like a truly insane movie relationship. Yeah. What are you thinking? Like a six or a seven? Not a seven. Seven would be more yeah. believable than that. I can't put this above a five. It's just such a like... It's just so middle of the road. We see so little of it, but it's, like, such a, like, just generic movie cliche thing. I don't think it's real in any way. Right. Like, what, Stedman's Guest House? Yeah, that's so weird. Yeah. Okay. I think five, yeah. Okay. Do you think that uh, any of those four are dateable? Um, Jennifer seems 
level head. Very reasonable. Else. Yeah. I'd say that's a great virtue. Calvin, Calvin seems like a, a yeah. really good dude. Like I said, he's a good manager of people. He's uh, good to his friends and stuff. Yeah. Except that he has these terrible business impulses that he puts all his money into. Right. So you would have to deal with that. Right. That would be hard to support. And then Kevin, no. Oh, hard no on hard Kevin. Hard no. Um, Terry. Possibly. Possibly. You only. We only really see Terry at her worst. Yeah. If I had to rank them, it would be Jennifer, Calvin, Terry, Cedric the Entertainer, <laughs> Kevin. <laughs> Um, if you did have to pick someone, who would it be? I probably would do Jimmy, who's got some uh, frustrating qualities. Yes. He's a smart guy who likes to prove how smart he is. Yes. But I didn't find him overly annoying, uh, and he seemed like a nice dude. Yeah. Um, he did get a redemption arc. He got a redemption arc with the white guy, again, um, yeah. and I liked his aspirations, that which felt a lot more concrete than Calvin. Like, he right. and Calvin are the two guys who want more than a barbershop. Everyone else is pretty much happy to be there. Even yeah. the white guy, he wants his own barbershop, but he wants to stay in this, like, barbershop community. Yeah. Jimmy and Calvin are the only guys who want out. Calvin doesn't have realistic goals. He wants to become a multi-platinum record producer out of his basement. Yes. Jimmy wants to go to college and... Make something of himself. Right. I like that. I'm thinking maybe the um, the shop owner next door. <laughs> you want to date the gossip, gossip lady? Together. It would be fun. Yeah. Gossip uh, queen. Okay. That, uh, that might work for you. She's definitely a church lady. Yes, that is true. It was a deep cut. I figured I should try and go yeah. somewhere. Deep cut as opposed to the next cut. Yeah. The name of the third barbershop movie. Oh, yeah. no. It's the final cut, I think. Is it the final cut? I'm not sure. I think it's the next one. Barbershop 2 is back in business. Followed And the Queen Latifah movie is Beauty Shop. Beauty Shop, right. Of course. Um, And then Barbershop 3 is the next cut. Yeah. They were not totally closing it down. I remember the standee for that one was like a barbershop at the movie theater. And I think there was like a barber chair that you could sit in. Yeah. Did you know Kevin Bacon is in Beauty Shop? I did not. Yeah. I mean, Kevin Bacon's in everything. That's the joke. Yeah. I mean, that's fair. Okay, so, what's the last question we ask? Do you think Jennifer and Calvin will stay together? Eh, probably. Probably, I don't know. Yeah, I think that does it for Barbershop, though. Yeah, we're good. Yep, this was fine. Will, I'm so excited. <laughs> this is still gonna be an hour-long episode. <laughs> oh, yeah. Will. Yeah. What's next? What is our next segment? I oh, my wait. gosh. So, the fact that we are through the movie means it's time for another installment of hashtag PD Summaries. Better hashtag still to come. Uh, these are, of course, sent to us by listener Rachel R. to tell us what happens in the Princess Diaries novels. As a reminder, in last week's episode, we discussed Princess in the Spotlight, in which Helen, Mia's mom, and Mr. Gianni, Mia's math teacher, who have been dating, Helen got pregnant. And they eloped to Mexico with the help of Mia's dad. Mia then revealed the pregnancy on TV, which was she was not supposed to do, which makes Grandmare very upset. Yes. That was bad news. Meanwhile, Mia is also starting to take princess lessons. She also starts dating her lab partner, Kenny, because he's been sending her nice notes. She is not into Kenny. She's into Michael, her best friend Lily's brother. But Kenny's sending her love notes, so she's like, what the heck? He's also been doing all of her homework. They also have a sleepover with Mia and Lily and Tina, the daughter of an oil sheik and Mia gets in trouble for throwing an eggplant out a window during a game of Truth or Dare. So this leads us then to the third installment in the Princess Diaries novel series, Princess in Love. Which is appropriate for this show. So, from the words of Rachel. The entire thing is centered around Mia wanting to break up with Kenny because, shocker, it sucks to date someone you're not actually into. But she can't bring herself to do it because he does her science homework for her. Tina, who is obsessed with romance novels, also starts helping Mia leave secret admirer notes for Michael because, as Tina points out, they clearly work. 
Mia's with Kenny now, and she doesn't even like him. And his secret admirer notes worked. And Mia starts getting mysterious yellow roses in her locker. She also notices Josh is skulking around her locker a lot. And there's a big winter dance coming up at the end of the semester, and she gets the fashion designer, I don't think it's Paolo, but maybe it is, to design her a dress that will, in the designer's words, make Michael, quote, forget that you're his younger sister's best friend, unquote. So it all goes down on the last day of the semester, the winter carnival slash dance. Mia discovers that Josh has been loitering because the guy with the locker next to hers owes him money. The yellow roses have been coming from none other than Boris. I don't know who that is. Because Mia had signed up for some secret snowflake thing and Boris drew her name and doesn't realize that yellow roses apparently signify eternal passion. Is that a thing? Googling it. Okay. Mia kind of tries to break up with Kenny and he's all like, yeah, I figured you were in love with someone else. But what will Lily say? And Mia discovers that Kenny thinks that she and Boris have been going behind Lily's back because he saw Boris leave a rose in her locker. Maybe Boris is dating Lily. And then there's the carnival at the same time as the dance. Michael is super techie and along with the computer club designed a computer game, I think, or a flash video of all the school's teachers walking around in funny costumes. Mia's in line to watch it, but Michael sees her and has her come up to the front. And suddenly she's not seeing teachers in catsuits, but a castle with a rose garden. And then a little banner comes up that says, roses are red, violets are blue. You may not know it, but I love you too. A play on one of the cards she had given him. So as one naturally does in that situation, instead of being like, wow, this is awesome, Mia starts screaming and runs away to her house because she's convinced that Michael is making fun of her. Do we have any evidence to think he'd do something that cruel? No. So she goes out of the fire escape and insists she's going to move to Genovia because she can't stay in New York after this humiliation. Grandmare shows up and talks her into going to the dance where we find out that Tina told Lily and Lily told Michael because Lily had known forever that they liked each other and thought it was an interesting social experiment to watch how long it would take for them to get together. Also, Michael shows up and they dance and make out. The last entry is from Mia flight to Genovia to spend the holidays with her dad and grandmare. Lily, what kind of friend are you? A shitty one. Yeah! (laughs) Running a social experiment to see how long it would take her brother and friend to actually talk about being into each other? Ugh. Lily. Also, um, according to this website, yellow means friendship, joy, and get well. I'm pretty sure it means eternal passion. All of which I buy more than eternal passion. Eternal passion! that's what red is for. But that's what Boris meant. Okay. Well, next week, get excited, we're going back into the well of DreamWorks films. I can't wait to dream it. But this time we're doing one that is actually good. Yeah, and it's a rare 2D feature for DreamWorks, 1998's The Prince of Egypt, which, by the way, is on Netflix, so check it out if you haven't seen it in a while or if you've never seen it. It's good. Yeah, it's great. Until then, you can follow the show on Facebook and Twitter at Heart of Podness, and you can email us questions or movie suggestions at heartofpodness at gmail.com. Make sure to rate, review, and subscribe. It really helps other people to find the show, so please keep on doing that. Last question, Will. What's the best piece of dating advice you got from this movie? Don't start a t-shirt business. Don't drink my <laughs> that is also true. All right, there you go. Until next time, I am a ginger. And I'm gay, so between the two of us, we know everything there is to know about romance. Bye! Bye. 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 Bye.